Hey, you digital world, how you going? It's well, 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 well. It's something special today for Spliced In Later. And when I say it's something special, normally back in the old days, it wouldn't be something special. It would just be the usual stuff that would come out of a podcast that reviews movies. But thanks to the current climate, it has been two months just about since I went to the movie theater and caught a new movie. Um, I still have not done that, unfortunately. But as we push forward and more and more movies get delayed and rescheduled, some movies are slipping through and being released in other alternative methods, mainly video on demand, streaming online, Netflix, Amazon, anything you can get your hands on at the moment. Now, one of the movies that I had planned to go see in the movie theater has been released this way. So I thought, why not? Let's let's give it a whirl. Let's rent the movie from a video on demand website. Let's watch it and let's review it. I'm very excited to do this. It's been a while. I'm very excited to have some sort of norm, even if it is the new norm. And I hope you're excited to hear what I have to say about this particular movie. Now, you probably know what it is if you've already clicked on the link or you've uploaded on Spotify or whatever, but I'll still announce it in the grandiose way because there are so many movies that are out there that are being released on video on demand, some fancy, some artistic, some with very powerful meanings and purposes. What are we reviewing today? We're reviewing Scoob. That's right, good old Scoob, a new CGI animated movie starring our good friend Scooby-Doo and his friends Shaggy and Co. from Misty Ritchie Incorporated. Now, it's pretty interesting using this new method to check out a movie that was theatrically released. Of course, with Netflix and everything, we're getting movies a hundred different ways. But this is a movie that was going to hit the movie theaters, had the advertising, we got the trailers, we had official release date. And then with everything going on, it got pushed back. In fact, I don't think it was even pushed back. The release date was just removed. And then the decision was made to release it through video on demand. Some people support this. Some people don't. It's interesting looking at all the news articles about this. I'm looking at some instances, some productions like Disney, very hesitant to release movies on video on demand, mainly because they want that sweet, sweet moolah. Um, I'm torn on that fact. I get it. I understand the motivations for it. I do think for a company like Disney, may not be too much of a hit to release at least one movie on video on demand, just to free up that clutter of delayed movies, because the more movies you delay, the more the movies you have to delay that were previously on the dates that these other movies got delayed for, and it's a vicious cycle, especially with something like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which so specifically plans out its next three years, and you knock over one domino and the whole thing just collapses. That said, Disney makes a billion bucks worldwide minimum on some of these movies. I get why you want that billion dollars. I understand. But in response to that, I've read certain movie theaters that are not happy that while they've been shut down and unable to show movies, they're seeing that these movies are being released on video on demand. I read somewhere that a movie theater in America refuses to show movies from a particular studio. It might be Universal. I'm not sure when they released Trolls World Tour, but they said, cool, that's it. No movies from you we're releasing in our theaters even after the pandemic. I don't know if they're offended by the video on demand. I don't know if they're stressed. Hard to say. You can understand where they're coming from too. It's a very volatile situation. Speaking as a consumer and a selfish consumer at that, 
I just want movies. I don't care how they got to me. I'm just going to watch them. I'm going to appreciate them. Renting through video on demand is interesting experience, I'll have to say. I know most of my listeners are in Australia, so I will say that Scoob is available to us through Amazon Prime Video, through Apple iTunes, through Google Play. There are a few different places you can get Scoob. The one thing to take into account, though, is the conversion. I keep forgetting that the US dollar is less than what the Australian dollar is. I was very excited to go through the whole process of renting Scoob, and I did do it. But I was also excited because it was only going to be about 20 bucks, and you 20 bucks, you get to rent it for a certain period of time. Of course, when you actually pay and it converts to Australia, it's closer to $30, which you can't really know for sure until you watch the movie if it's worth $30 or not. I don't pay $30 when I go to the movie theater, so it's interesting. In the end, you have to decide if you want to pay that money Maybe it's good. Maybe we can just support the local film industry by any means necessary. Maybe there is a bit of overpayment. But whatever the case, movies are available for you if you want to fork out the money to check them out, like Scoob. Now, getting all that out of the way, what do I think of Scoob? Well, hmm. all right, we'll unpack this a little bit. I'm not about to sit here and say that I am a tremendous obsessive follower of Scooby-Doo. I don't hate Scooby-Doo. I don't love Scooby-Doo. I just appreciate Scooby-Doo as a concept, as a franchise. As a kid growing up, I didn't religiously turn on the TV to watch a specific time that Scooby-Doo would be on. If I turned on Cartoon Network and Scooby-Doo happened to be on, I was happy to watch it. I got the whole premise. Mystery and gang, Scooby and their friends, they go around to a haunted place where a ghost or a zombie or a witch or a monster from the lagoon is scaring people. The gang go inside to figure it out. Scooby and Shaggy are chased around by ghosts and eat some Scooby snacks, while Fred and Daphne and Velma, the rest of the crew, actually use their skills to realize that there is no supernatural threat. It's always some person dressed up. It's pretty interesting in that respect. Scooby-Doo is always kind of like a very, very watered-down Agatha Christie, Hercule Poirot mystery. The clues are there, to figure out who is doing the spooking, and you have to pay attention and figure that out, which is a lot of fun. That said, I caught a Scooby-Doo episode, and I'd watch another one. Didn't matter which ones I saw, it was just on. What really got me into a specific type of Scooby-Doo, though, are the live-action movies that came out when I was growing up in the 2000s. The original Scooby-Doo I did not catch in the movie theater, because, again, I was not too hooked on Scooby-Doo as it was. But my father took my brothers to go see it. And the only reason I decided I would watch it is they came back and they told me who the bad guy in Scooby-Doo actually was. And I didn't believe them because I was like, that's ridiculous. You're lying to me. That's not true. I caught the movie and the bad guy is indeed actually the person they said it was. I won't spoil it because if you've avoided spoilers for 20 years, why, why would I spoil it for you now? But... The movie itself was actually a lot of fun because it was the same Scooby-Doo themes. There were some exaggerations, but there was a really cool relationship between the characters overcoming the stereotypes that the cartoon had set up for them. For Daphne, it was the damsel in distress. For Fred, it was just the airhead leader. For Shaggy and Scooby, it's that they're the scaredy cats. They can't save the day. A lot of humor was in there because of James Gunn 
who, as we all know, is the man behind the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. So if you like that sort of humor, that's all there in Scooby-Doo. So I really enjoyed that Scooby-Doo movie. I enjoyed even more its sequel, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed, which I guess if I were a fan of the TV show, I'd even like it even more because the concept of that movie is someone is making old costumes of monsters come to life and attack the gang so there'd be a lot of references and callbacks to the show. I enjoyed all the different types of monsters. 2000s had all that crazy 2000s music that we all love, like the Backstreet Boys. God, I love the Backstreet Boys. And lots of action, lots of excitement, lots of laughs, good times. I think I'm in the minority with critics. I think critics aren't a big fan of Scooby-Doo too. I'm not sure. But I can tell you I really like those movies and I enjoy popping those on every couple of months just for a good laugh. With those movies, they did tend to lean towards the supernatural element being actually real. So at the end of the day, there is always a person that's behind what's going on in the Scooby-Doo live-action movies. But the things that they are doing are actually of a supernatural element. So there are actual demons, monsters, ghosts, which is fun. It works with the concept of Subverting expectations, I would say. Even today in 2020, jokes in Scooby-Doo that boggle the mind today, for instance, with airport security and that sort of stuff, how could Scooby have possibly snuck onto a plane dressed as an old lady? Makes you laugh. So it's those love that I have for those movies that made me decide, yes, there is a Scooby-Doo movie coming out this year. Yes, it's CGI. Yes, it's probably more aimed towards the animation than the live action. But I had a good time remembering going to the movies to see Scooby-Doo. So this Scoob that's coming, I'll give it a whirl. Why not? Even when everyone else around me was like, I don't know about this Scoob movie. I don't really care about this Scoob movie. I certainly probably won't see it with you at the movie theaters. And I was like, that's okay. I'm going to go to the movie theaters and see it anyway. Boy, I wish I had known how not quite correct I was in that statement. But I still saw it, just not in a movie theater. I didn't look much into Scoob. I had no idea what the concept was about, which maybe in this case I should have been because, all right, so there's been a lot of scrutiny in this movie before going in. A lot of it was to do with the voice actors, namely that Shaggy was not voiced by Matthew Lillard, who's been voicing Shaggy for the past 20 years, was being voiced by Will Fort. Now, in terms of voice acting... I will concur Shaggy didn't sound right, but I was able to move past it because his mannerisms and his emotion and his connection with Scooby was still there. So it wasn't enough of a shock that it pulled me out of the movie. The rest of the Mystery Inc. gang were actually quite good. I really enjoyed Zac Efron as Fred, Gina Rodriguez as Velma, and Amanda Seyfried as Daphne. I thought they sounded great. Those three were actually my favorite part of the movie, shockingly not... Shaggy and Scooby, which I guess we're going to build into more hairs as you understand how what my feelings about this movie actually are. Another drawback on the voicing is that Scooby, not Shaggy, Scooby, speaks a lot more in this movie than I'm used to. He was speaking in full sentences and communicating with people very eligible. I understood what he was saying and everyone understood what he was saying. I'm used to Scooby just saying, and that's it. That's all we get from him. But in this movie, he says like, Reggie, I'm going to go down to the scuba snack and get me some... That's good. Okay, maybe you can't understand that so much, but that's because I forgot what I was going to say before starting it. But 
To explain thoroughly, Scooby is speaking in long sentences without the use of a Scooby snack, essentially. Which I wasn't used to, but I allowed. Here's the big thing about Scoob. It's not a Scooby-Doo movie, and it doesn't work in its favor, unfortunately. When the movie starts, you get to meet all the Scooby-Doo characters. They all come together very briefly. They form the Mystery Ink team, and you get a brief look at what made Scooby-Doo so popular. They go into a haunted house, they meet some ghosts, they solve some mysteries, they establish their team. Sounds great. And then about 20 minutes into this movie, it becomes a completely different movie entirely. And it's jarringly confusing, and I didn't understand why it had become what it was. So essentially, to explain it to you without spoiling the movie too much, this movie has been made... Not to make a Scooby-Doo movie, but to use the Scooby-Doo characters to start their own cinematic universe. Just like the MCU, just like the Superman-connected movies, the Godzilla-Kong monsterverse. So basically, there's this production called Hanna-Barbera, I believe it is, who way back in the early days, certainly before I was able to form any sort of sentence as a grown-up human were all these cartoons and superheroes and supervillains. Blue Falcon and Dynamite the Wonder Dog. Wacky Races with Dick Dastardly. Captain Caveman. All these different properties. They're all established at being in the same universe as Scooby-Doo in this. So what happens is Shaggy and Scooby are whisked away by the superhero Blue Falcon who's trying to stop Dick Dastardly to, from bringing together three big skulls with the ultimate intention that he wants to get gold from the underworld. And the only way to do that is to use these three skulls to get it. They need Scooby because he's important to getting through to the underworld. Shaggy tags along for the ride. Fred and co. aren't there when they originally get whisked off in their adventure and they have to follow along afterwards and catch up with them. It's essentially... A superhero team-up movie featuring Scooby and Co. Now, it didn't work for me because I didn't understand why it was happening, essentially. Shaggy and Scooby are on this adventure with Blue Falcon and Co. And there's never real reason for why they are, how these characters exist in their world. Superheroes, supervillains cartoon cavemen. It's never really been, in my opinion, a part of Scooby-Doo. I'm sure if I looked back in the old cartoons, they would have crossed over in the past. But in terms of the movie I was actually watching, the movie just completely changed its direction. Now, at this point, if you make a movie like Scoob, you're relying on people to remember Scooby-Doo and co and want to go and see a Scooby-Doo adventure. And if you then change it into something completely different, with no real story direction, just to show you that all these characters exist so that we can make a Blue Falcon movie and a Wacky Races movie and a Captain Caveman movie, you immediately lose a lot of the drive of a particular movie. I know I always gush about Marvel, but I'm going to use it as an example. Imagine if Iron Man had been made and the first 20 minutes of Iron Man was Tony Stark becoming Iron Man. You're learning who he is and he becomes a superhero. But then halfway, maybe not even halfway, 
a quarter of the way through the movie, Captain America shows up and picks him up and takes him onto a spaceship with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And then they go into the quantum realm to rescue Ant-Man while Spider-Man shows up for a bit to web-swing them across two very tall towers and then leaves. Crazy, right? Completely all over the place. That's not an Iron Man movie. It starts as an Iron Man movie and then becomes something else entirely. At least with something with like Marvel, they're all at least superheroes, so you can take it with a grain of salt. It certainly wouldn't have the excellent setup that the MCU has for having all the different movies establishing everybody's separate characters and worlds and individualities before bringing them together. But with something like Scooby-Doo, where Scooby-Doo's world is a bunch of teenagers drive around in a mystery machine and solve mysterious spooky cases involving normie creepy janitors that have dressed up as a ghost and then throw in a superhero, a robot dog, cavemen that live on islands in the middle of the of the of the earth and you've got you've got a mess of a film unfortunately and another thing i was thinking watching it was maybe if i were older and i knew who all these people were like blue falcon and dick dastley if i knew who they really were maybe i'd at least get the easter eggs that are being referenced unfortunately i didn't get that and that's what is either the the main selling point of scoob or its big drawback is that Scoob very much is made for kids. This is a kid's film. And that's why it's going to be okay. If a kid watches Scoob, they're just going to enjoy the silly, crazy antics. There are some good jokes in here. Not a lot, but there were some which were quite clever or wacky enough that I did laugh because I was either impressed with the humor level or laughing at the sheer dumb foolery that what I was watching. But a kid today, who I'm assuming is quite young, is going to have no idea who Blue Falcon and Co. are. Maybe they'll get a reference of it because they've seen the Marvel movies quite recently, but they're not going to get the clues, they're not going to get the Easter eggs, they're not going to understand the motivations of these characters because the movie doesn't try to explain the motivations of these characters. They just assume you know who Blue Falcon and Dick Dastardly and everybody is. So if you argue that... This movie's just for kids, so the kids can have a good time. It's good up until a point, but even then, kids aren't going to get the references. They're going to be confused. They're not going to understand themselves. So overall, I guess what I want to say is, because we're spliced in later here, we're not about being negative. This wasn't a bad movie. I still think it's better than Doolittle. And you, if you heard my episode on Doolittle quite early this year, I was quite kind on Doolittle. I said Doolittle certainly wasn't the worst thing in the world. Scoob is... An enjoyable enough kids movie, if you know that. If I were able to watch Scoob knowing what I was in for, as I think maybe a few people have been, which is why they probably may not watch the movie, because they know about this whole Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe idea, maybe I'd have appreciated it more. But in the long run, I was excited to watch a Scooby-Doo movie, and I didn't really get it. I got a cartoon featuring a couple of Scooby-Doo characters. So in that manner, I'm going to give Scoob a 6 out of 10. But I do want to say that I appreciate you, Scoob. It was a nice return to reality to be able to sit down and watch a brand new movie that I hadn't seen. An interesting experience to watch it in my living room on my own TV, not in the movie theater, but to see something that I had been waiting to see, to have it 
displayed in front of me like a theatrical release. Using the renting from Video Demand is interesting because you can go back and reanalyze the movie a bit. So you can pick out a few things you want to talk about specifically, which always helps when you're reviewing something. At the end of the day, I would not regret have gone to the movie theaters to see Scoob, but I also would know in a usual year of movies that Scoob wouldn't make it onto my top 10 of 2020. However, with the lack of movies this year, who knows? Scoob may make it onto my top 10 of 2020. Doolittle may still be on my top 10 2020. It's very interesting. It's a unique time. Overall, I would recommend Scoob if you're looking for something to distract the kids. If you did like Wacky Races and Blue Falcon and all those old cartoons, you might get something out of this movie. If you just like seeing Scooby and Co. in anything, and it doesn't matter what they're doing, you'll probably like this movie. But if you're here to see a Scooby-Doo movie, maybe just have a think before going in. Prepare yourself for it. All right, so look at that. That was a movie review. Two months later. That's very exciting. I can't wait to upload this and add it to the movie review playlist on YouTube. Can't wait to have a listen back and see how this review sounds compared to reviews I was doing two months ago when I was doing this on a regular basis and actually knew what I was doing. I hope you've enjoyed listening. I hope I've answered any questions you may have had about Scoob, any intrigue. If you're going to watch it, please let me know. If you like it, please let me know. If you don't like it, please let me know. If you think it works with the Hanna-Barbera cinematic universe, let me know. But either way, I hope you've enjoyed listening. I hope you've got something out of it, even if you're going to go back and watch the old Scooby-Doo movies. I know I am. I'm very excited to crack out Scooby-Doo and see Rowan Atkinson and all the big actors that showed up in these movies and the ridiculous comedy and tone, because that really brightens my day. Good old Scooby-Doo. Well, I will be back next week to bring you another episode. It's going to be a nice one. I've been working on the concept of this one for about a month because it's very very good set of movies I want to talk about for obvious reasons and they're going to require a lot of depth and discussion and love so you'll have to tune in next week to find out what that is but until then I hope you're all doing great go and have a watch of Scoob if you're so inclined if you're not I don't blame you but I love and appreciate you as always you've been spliced in later adios muchachos I'll catch you next time